Welcome to Three Associating. One is the loneliest number that A podcast that goes behind the door of therapists working in a relational psychoanalytic model. I'm Andrew. And I'm Rachel. We're both therapists. And we're both supervisees of Jill. And I'm Jill, therapist and supervisor, and co-author with Jackie Winship of the book The Talking Cure. While people might think that therapists have it all together, by now you know we don't. We get stuck, experience challenges, and have blind spots. This continues to affect our work, and this is why we need ongoing supervision. This podcast peeks behind the closed door of relational supervision and lets you know about the therapist's blind spots. Relational supervision complements the traditional focus on the patient by focusing on both patient and the therapist. In each episode, we discuss a fictitious character in supervision. While none of these patients are real, the relational dynamics are. Episode 2, The Dangers of Addiction. Help me help you. Andy, I know I'm not responsible for another person's behaviour, but can you just tell me one more time? Rachel, you are not responsible for someone else's (laughs) behaviour. Okay, now tell me 100 more times. (laughs) (laughs) Hi, Jill. Hi, Rach. (laughs) Okay, so the patient I wanted help with today is a 49-year-old father of two. He has one child who's 15 years old and another who's 12 years old, both his sons. His wife had died three years ago from a car accident, and since this time he's been struggling with a pretty intense addiction. In his terms, his issues are with speed and weed. Uh, He says he uses speed in the morning in the way other people might have a cup of coffee and then continues to use it throughout the day to get him through little Mm pick-me-ups and then weed at night to help him chill and get to sleep. Mm -hmm. He and his children live with his mother who often takes care of the kids. Uh, And when I say often, I think she really does the majority of the parenting. He's currently not employed permanently, um, but says he helps out his mates with building jobs from time to time, Mm -hmm. uh, like doing painting or plastering, things like that. Mm. And he said he really had his shit together when his wife was alive. And although he dabbled in recreational drug use, he hadn't been full on addicted uh, Mm -hmm. like he is now. So let's call him Dave. So I find Dave pretty likable on the whole. I really do feel for his grief and the devastation that's followed. Um, I believe he truly loves his kids and he's really proud of them in his words. He's proud as punch. (laughs) And I mean, I think he could do with spending more time with them, um, but he doesn't feel that they need that much from him anymore since they're getting older. I think he was forced to be independent at a young age and he doesn't see their needs for time and connection and sees them as more capable than perhaps they are. And he thinks his mum dotes on them way too much. And I do wonder if he's a little bit envious as he says she never doted on him like that. So three months into our work together, he gets caught driving under the influence. And the police also find a reasonable amount of methamphetamine in his possession. 
The courts have ordered him to attend groups with emphasis on psychoeducation um, around issues of drink driving um, or driving under the influence, etc. And they have also requested that he engage in therapy, which he obviously already was engaged in. Um, and he asked me if I could write a report for the courts before his sentencing. The courts have also requested he do random urine tests to monitor his drug use. So this obviously throws some complications into our relationship, but I do agree to write the report. His big fear is that he might have to serve time in jail and it's potentially looking that way since the amount that he got caught with looked more like he was potentially dealing than a small amount for his personal use. The other thing is, is that he had originally told me that he was using speed, but he was actually using ice. The other thing is that his father went to jail when he was 15 years old, <laughs> apparently for breaking and entering, which was related to his addiction issues. He has strongly identified as being very much not like his old man. Um, and one of the things he's struggling with at the moment is he's starting to look more and more like his old man. <laughs> and this fills him with anger and I get the feeling that shame is lurking underneath. Mm -hmm. So he completed a detox program for a few weeks and then he managed to abstain from both using ice and weed, which I was surprised by as I did imagine it would be harder for him. It was a rocky patch and he came to see me between two or three times a week during the first six weeks post-discharge from detox. And then he started to cancel a few sessions, citing he was chockers, <laughs> um, meaning, you know, he was busy with work um, that he'd gotten from his mates. And then he came to his session yesterday and he was enraged. He just found out that he'd returned a positive urine result. Apparently they found evidence of meth use. He was really mad and ranted about how unfair it all was and how he felt that they tricked him. I couldn't quite understand how he thought that they had tricked him as he was clearly well aware of the fact that um, he was using and that he had to do these tests. And I was feeling, well, exasperated um, as his sentencing date is in two weeks and it's looking like at this stage he could go in and I'm holding his kids in mind and his desperate desire to stay out of jail and care for them and to not repeat his father's trajectory. And I'm noticing myself feeling frustrated as he hadn't told me he was using and he'd cancelled three appointments. And I feel like I'm getting like way caught up in this and I'm really far away from Beyond's notion of without memory or desire. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and then you know the film um jerry Maguire. yes yeah that's like uh th this film sort of like came to my mind in this session you know like the the help me help you moment um where the tom cruise character is feeling like super desperate with the cuba gooding jr's character and he's like saying help me help you help me help you <laughs> <laughs> when I'm feeling like, oh, help me, help you, like, duh, tell me what's going on. Like, I can't help you and you will go to jail if you're not honest with me and you're not bringing this in and you're not coming to sessions. And yeah, you can see mm. I'm 
I'm activated. I'm <laughs> activated. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Yes. Well, you know, in a positive way. I mean, clearly you invested in this person and frustrated. But let me just check, because as I'm understanding it, Rach, the horse is bolted. I mean, you know, there's not much you can do about what has happened. If he's not jailed, then that's a different thing. But I think he's sitting with a lot of uh, fear that he will be jailed. I am. I really am. Yeah. You know, and then what's going to happen with the children and all of those things. And I also have to write the report. Mm. This is a big challenge. Yeah. And obviously the reason they want a report from me is because how he's been in therapy Mm. could have Mm. an impact on his sentencing. Um, Clearly the urine samples are also going to have an impact. Um, Yeah. Yes, well, I found myself also pulled in two directions because... I'm not sure what is the more significant uh, for you today in the room, so I need to check it because Mm -hmm. the one is, you know, your thoughts and feelings about writing that report, which I would imagine is imminent, Mm -hmm. and uh, then the thoughts and feelings about help me help you, which is a different agenda, actually. I mean, in terms of therapy going forward, obviously he's wanting practical help in terms of, but that's not what the help me help you, I think, is about, as I'm understanding it. So what do you want to do? Think about the report, because we won't probably have time to do both, or do you want to think about if he doesn't go to jail? How are you going to help him? I think that probably the more imminent thing is the report. Um, mm. I think mm. that if he doesn't go to jail, then we've got time. Do you know? Mm. But I mm. think the thing that I'm feeling activated around is like, oh, my God, the sentencing is in two weeks. Mm. And, mm. yeah, what's done is done. But, yeah, I have to write this thing and... <sighs> It's not my decision. I'm not the judge, but I don't want him to go to jail. <laughs> Do you know? Of course, yes. I don't want him to go to jail. Yes. It's not my job to decide whether he goes to jail or not. It's just mm-hmm. to write a report about how he's sort of engaged with therapy. But there have, I mean, in the last few weeks, he hasn't engaged very well, you know. Mm-hmm. He mm-hmm. has initially, and he obviously sought treatment before he even. Um, well, that's important. Yeah. Has anything happened to your knowledge that would have pushed him off the rails again? Because, I mean, he's clearly fallen off the wagon, so to speak. Well, it's kind of tough, you know, Jill, because one of his triggers is working. (laughs) So Mm. it's sort of like a double-edged sword because Mm. work is Mm. great for him. It keeps him busy and, you know, it's good for his sort of well-being largely. He's connecting with people. Mm. But I think when he has to do early mornings, Mm. he tends to rely on uh, ice Mm. to Mm. sort of wake up and have the energy and, you know, uh, engage in work? Uh, Well, I think you can only be, obviously, you can obviously can only be honest in the report and 
So I think that it definitely is. We've got to think about all the things that count in his favor that one can say truthfully. One of them is that he did seek therapy before any of this and that he is certainly committed to trying to actually um, give up the addiction. And the irony is, and I would put that in, that the irony is, and he's in a difficult situation because actually when he moves forward and goes to work, which we would see as a positive. Yeah, it's a trigger. It's a a trigger and that clearly, you know, there needs to be more therapeutic uh, engagement and progress around that. But you want to emphasize the fact that part of the reason, at least, that he's got into this predicament is that he was actually making progress and trying to move forward. So that's for me, but how do you feel about that? I do. Well, I agree. I guess like as you're talking as another um, uh, thing that I didn't mention is that I kind of like always queried whether because he uh, goes towards using amphetamines, I guess like I kind of wanted him to um, do a psychiatric assessment in terms of whether he potentially might have attention deficit disorder or ADHD Mm -hmm. or something Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. that. Just because I was wondering that if that medication is so helpful, Mm. um, like if methamphetamine is so helpful, then perhaps medication could be helpful. Like he could be sort of self-medicating in a way. Um, But he was not keen on, (laughs) he was like, nah, I don't need that, you know, Mm. sort Mm. of thing. Mm. And anyway, that's sort of just in. Mm. Yes. Well, I do think always the idea of a psychiatric assessment is actually important. And, you know, but that's a separate issue. I think that, you know, the court report is really what is on your mind at the moment. And I think I would go that way with it. But, uh, and Rach, in terms of you and I, you know, I think it is hard to take a step back, but it is true that you're not responsible and, you know, your input will not make or break it. It will help as far as you can, but the outcome will not stand and fall on your report, for sure. There are going to be a lot of other factors. So uh, I can see that there's a lot of um, energy in you around it, which is your commitment to him. And also your regret, perhaps, that, you know, he started not coming and then... But, you know, you can't force the patient to come. But I I think for us, it's around yourself being able to settle with the fact that you will do as much as you can, but you can't do more than that and that it won't stand and fall on your report. Yeah, it's like I have to be in contact with limits, which is something that he struggles with. Yes, that, that, but, but you have to accept the limits of yeah. your capacity. Yeah. Even that thought about the psychiatric assessment is a good one, A, because you can actually get support from another colleague, B, because the medical position does carry weight in court, and C, because it actually would be useful. So I think to follow through on that idea anyway, not so much in terms of treatment planning, but just in terms of having a better sort of framework and safety net around both of you, you in terms of the fact that you're the treating Mm. person and perhaps have a psychiatrist as an assessing person. 
and you know then let's see what happens yeah I think that um it's true I need to sort of accept the limits in all of this but I think as well there's like grief you know and it's sort of like mm-hmm. I'm feeling it now it's like mm-hmm. if he goes in like that's so sad and mm-hmm. the, you know I think the addiction is covering up his grief from mm-hmm. you know his his wife and yeah I feel mm-hmm. now I'm in contact with a lot of sadness you know yeah you're really really upset about it I can see and yeah. I mean look it would be a travesty and terrible if you well, it's not a travesty in that sense because <laughs> he did self-sabotage, but, I mean, addiction is something so powerful. But for those children, it will be That's deeply right. problematic. And for you, it's uh, also really hard. But I do think it's linked to grief, and I think I often feel that addiction is a way of not relying on a person because the substance is a kind of reliable thing. Yeah. You sort of know more or less what effect it's going to produce, but we don't always know what our effect will be on a person or them on us when we, particularly when we're in trouble. If they'll be there for us, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and I, so it is interesting that it happened after the wife died mm. and was no longer there, you know, for him. So if we get, hopefully, to the point that he isn't um sent to jail you know then we can think about really trying to work with him and it is interesting because it is irony that it was a movement forward but there's also something about that idea of you know being tricked which I think is so hard uh, in all walks of life but particularly perhaps with addictions to really take full responsibility for the fact that, well, no, one wasn't tricked, one actually took the substance. But, well, it'll be for down the track to really look at how it started. And also I'm going to put this in inverted commas, but as I said earlier, that there's a difficulty in depending on or leaning upon another person and it's easier to lean or depend on the substance. Mm. And in a sense, as I say, Rach, in inverted commas is the word failure because I don't think that there's been a failure in the overall therapy, but there has been some failure in his capacity to lean on you or to Mm. lean on the therapy rather than to return to the drug And as I say, I'm putting it in inverted commas because it's not something that I think you did or didn't do, but it is nevertheless uh, a failure to lean on a person rather than uh, the drug. And that's maybe something that you can speak to him about given that it happened after he was no longer able to lean on the wife. Mm. So I did want to just say that, that that would be a way of kind of bringing it into the work with you and to try to cut through some of the sort of denial because he minimizes it on the one hand but on the other hand he was highly motivated to try and change it yeah he really was yeah because of his children because not wanting to be like his old man yeah but then you know things went wrong so that's pretty much I think that's pretty much all I want to say because as you say we've got to wait to see the outcome of the um, hearing and the sentencing 
Yeah, I feel just within myself, I'm much further away from the exasperated <laughs> affect that I was kind of um, in mm. touch with at the beginning of this mm. session. Be, yeah, because I definitely think that you can help him, mm. but um, he will have to help you to help him by <laughs> leaning, by leaning. Yeah. Uh, that's the one thing. But also I want to take some of the pressure off you around that too because I do remember that moment in the, the Maguire movie and the the coach's exasper, the helper's exasperation. And I think that I'm also wanting to say to you that it's not that you can fully take that on. Yeah. And, you know, around the court reporter, even around helping so, yeah. yeah, I can experience you as karma, but it is a really, really difficult situation. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, it would just be really sad. Mm-hmm. But sadness is sort of in the air, huh? the grief. and Yes, yeah. if he could perhaps be sad and not mask it. But mm. we don't know. I mean, it does sound like he did mourn, but... The irony, again, is that as he makes progress, that's exactly when he slips back. Yeah. So I think you're on to that, and I think that's a real issue. Yeah. So perhaps we end there, Rach, and yeah. is there something else you'd want to? No, no, mm. yeah, let's end there. Thanks, John. Okay. Now we reflect on what happened. We identified the dilemma we took into the supervision, the distillation we took out of supervision, and our blind spots. Blind spots include bright spots and dark spots. A bright spot is when we are blinded to the overall picture and we can only see a sliver of what is occurring in ourselves and in the interaction. A dark spot is when the issues are more completely out of sight. So Rach, what was the dilemma that you had in coming into the session? Well, I felt overwhelmed and exasperated by a sense of responsibility to keep this guy out of jail, but I knew on some level that I couldn't and that I certainly couldn't do it without him. Uh-huh. It's not your responsibility. <laughs> Again. <laughs> 99 times. <laughs> and what about the distillation coming out of the session? Well, I felt relieved when I recognised that it was largely out of my hands and then the inevitable sadness followed. Uh And Jill, the blind spots, what was the bright spot for Rach? Well, Rach, I think the intensity of your desire to help Dave didn't really allow you to take in fully what you knew, namely that the situation was out of your control. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And the dark spot? Well, again, I think in your investment in him and his recovery, It was difficult for you to see that he had more recently withdrawn his investment in the therapy and had turned toward the drug to lean on rather Mm -hmm. than leaning on you Mm -hmm. or the work. Mm -hmm. And so, Rach, what were the learning points for you from this session? Well, I liked thinking about this idea that one relies on a drug in place of an attachment figure. Um, And... My second learning point was that I need to always keep in mind limits, including my own. Uh Like not being responsible for someone else's behavior, (laughs) for example. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. And Jill, the teaching points? Well, I think I don't like to underline the idea that one way of thinking about addiction is that it is a failure to lean on the other. 
but it's also a failure to tolerate unpredictability. So we turn to the predictability of the drug and away from the unpredictability of people, which is a more Lacanian way, really, of viewing addiction. And then the second point is that Rach referred to being without memory and desire in this episode, and of course it is important, as Rach notes, but I think it's important to underline that it's very difficult to achieve this, even though it's an aspiration. And my third teaching point was that I often wonder when we think to refer a patient out for extra assessments or other kind of treatment modalities, whether it's a signal to ourselves that we've actually reached a limit of our own capacity and we're looking for alternative supports. I don't think it applies in this instance because I think you genuinely did think that this would be important um, to send him for that kind of assessment. But more generally, I think it's often a signal to ourselves that we're at a limit and it might be better to get support for ourselves like supervision or going to our own therapy rather than sending the patient off for a referral or different forms of treatment. Rach, do you have a final question for Jill? Yeah, uh, I'm curious, Jill, that I was given two options in the supervision to either discuss the court report issue or the help me help you exasperation. Um, And since I chose the court report, I'm left wondering which direction you may have gone if I chose to discuss the exasperation. Well, I think, Rach, because I know that you're on top of the addiction protocols, so in answering your question, I'm not going to go through these or speak about NA support groups and the importance of these, as well as working with shame, which is so central in addiction. I'm not going to elaborate those, but I think in the supervision session, had you asked me that, I would have explored with you how to confront earlier the meaning of the missed sessions. I was really struck by his use of the word chockers, and I thought to myself, yes, he's chockers with unprocessed feelings, and I would have wanted to explore that issue and the issue of the missed sessions early especially as it was court-mandated therapy and he was thus transgressing a limit as to all of us in certain moments now and then. But I, I do think it would have been important to explore that. And because we do transgress limits mostly, hopefully, occasionally, but nevertheless we need to keep three associating. Thank you for listening to Three Associating. Our theme song is performed by Katie Whiten and our audio production is by Jared Young. So a big thank you to both Katie and Jared. If you have enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a rating and review on whichever platform you listen to us. We love hearing from you and appreciate all of the support we've had so far. This really helps us to continue to make new content. Bye for now. Why is the